We uh, glad that you're here this morning. I'm glad that you're here. Glad that uh, uh, we've had a already an incredible crowd uh, uh, packed it out for an early service at 24 Church. Uh, that might be one of the signs of Jesus is on his way back. Um, and here we are, the second service, and we got the same thing: different faces, and that's awesome. So uh, we're we're just happy. We're happy. Uh, happy to have you here with us, uh, and, and by the way, we'd, we'd love to have you. If, you. if you're not here regularly, we'd love to have you. Uh, this this is quite possibly, and you can ask other people, you don't have to take my word for it, quite possibly one of the best seasons uh, of the life of this church. With the things that are going on are just absolutely amazing, and it's it's just God at work. Uh, it's just, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. So uh, I could get them talking about that. We don't have time for that because we still have another one of these to do when you're done. So, uh, but uh, no, we're, we're glad that you're here, and, and, and thank you for being here. Uh, you know, this is, this is uh, it's always, always fun uh, getting a, to preach Easter because, uh, you know, in fact, I, I talked to a friend of mine yesterday, and, and he says, what are you doing? I was like, well, I'm, you know, it's the day before Easter. You already know what I'm doing. I'm working on, I'm working on Easter, you know, and he's like, he's like, oh, you're working on a message? I said, yeah, and he's like, wasn't that like the simplest message there is? And I was like, yeah, and he's like, so what do you have to work on? And I was like, oh yeah, well it just sounds so simple, right? You know, I was like, I was like, you got to know that preachers are, are fantastic at being able to uh, take the simplest thing and turn it into the hardest problem. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's pretty typical. But no, I, I love getting to talk. Uh, I love getting to preach an Easter message. I love getting to talk about uh, Christ, uh, Christ's return and, and Him coming back uh, from the dead. And I mean, just all of the things. Uh, it's, just, it's just awesome and it's exciting. Uh, and uh, and this morning it's no different. Uh, and and as we as we talk this morning, one of the things we're talking about is we're talking about believing and uh, and and what it takes. You know what it what it takes to save somebody. What it takes, uh, you know, to to receive salvation. Uh, you know, so many people in this world believe that uh, that they've that they've gone too far in life. You know, they've done too many bad things or whatever it is. And uh, you know, and, and and as we talk about that stuff, you know, one of the things that uh, we're going to talk about this morning is what what does it you know how far how far can you go you know what's what's the what's the limitation there uh, you know because nobody nobody wants to go past the line right uh, and so uh, this morning we'll be talking a little bit about that uh, if you, in fact if you got a Bible with you go ahead and get it out we're going to go to the book of Matthew and if you don't have a Bible our ushers have Bibles they would be glad to bring you one just throw your hand in the air and wave you like you just don't care, and uh, they will get you one of those. And uh, if you don't own a Bible, you can keep that one, consider it a gift, take it with you, let God uh, use it in your life, let Him speak to you through it. Uh, maybe lost yours along the way, whatever, we don't care. Just go ahead and take one. We'd just love for you to be able to follow along with us. But we're going to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. And in this passage of Scripture, uh, we, see, uh, we see what we see throughout many of the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the different accounts of the life of Christ, uh, we see uh, the ladies that are going to the tomb uh, to find Jesus, to see Jesus, to visit Jesus at his grave, uh, because they assume, like most people would assume, that he is dead. Uh, and then, uh, of course, they get there, and the shocker is that he is not. Uh, and so, uh, let's just go ahead and read this. Matthew 28, verse 1. And it says, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. So an angel of the Lord comes 
and rolls the stone away from the tomb. Jesus isn't going to be here, okay? And when there's this great earthquake, when all this happens, and then on top of all that, the angel just, not only does he, not only do we have the earthquake, not only does he roll the stone away, he just, just sets on the rock. He's just, I'm going to set on this thing like, I did that, tadow, what are you going to do about it? You know, and that's, and I, and I love, I love that. I love that the angel does this. He's setting on this verse three. It says his appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. His appearance was like lightning. Like what, what does that even mean? Like, I mean, like, like when you're trying to look at him, is it, I mean, does it look like you're staring at like constant lightning going off or like you can't even look at it and you're like having to look away? I mean, like, well, I don't even, I don't even know. But I mean, obviously you can even make out his clothes, his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. They're playing possum. This is my children after we have gone on a long trip and they want somebody to carry them in the house. You know what I'm talking about. My kids know what I'm talking about. We're not stupid. They'll be like picking them up and they're like grinning a little bit or whatever, you know. It's like little... These two guys are guards, and, and, the, and in this moment, the, the best thing that they know to do is to play dead. And so they just, they just lay over on the ground. We're, we're too scared to move. We're too scared to run away. Like, we've never seen anything like this in our life. We're trained men ready for battle, but right now we're playing dead. And it says in verse 5, but the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. And in verse 6 it says, he is not here, for he has risen. As he said, come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. I can only imagine for those two ladies what this moment was like. They've gone to visit the body of Jesus, and by the end of this conversation with the angel that looks like lightning with clothes white as snow who causes earthquakes and rolls stones away and makes armed guards uh, play dead, uh, is telling them, um, yeah, he's not here. He's risen. By the way, he said he was going to do that. He, you, know, you, see, you see how he does that? He's like, for he is risen as he said, hello. And, uh, you know, yeah, you can come check out where he was laying, but by the way, He's, he's going before you. He's going to see you guys in Galilee. And, and I'm thinking, if I'm then, uh, them, I'm just like, I'm, I'm losing my mind. I'm like, I can't, I can't even wait to get back to Galilee to go see Jesus. For he is not here, for he has risen. I actually shared this passage of Scripture 
a week ago yesterday at the graveside service uh, for one of the ladies that we lost. We lost uh, two ladies in our church in the last couple of weeks uh, that were very dear to us. And um, I, I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I hate losing people. I, I hate I hate losing people that I love, that I know. I just hate it. I mean, even, even both of those ladies, they've both gone to be with the Lord. Praise God that we know that. Like, I mean, like we know it, know it. Like, you know, I, you know it's, 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 it's good to know when you know. And, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, the reason, the reason I shared that passage by the grave was, you know, it was, it was just, you know, I felt like timing of the year, obviously, you know, was, was very appropriate. But then even, too, it was just this great reminder. It's, it's what Jenna just saying. Ain't no grave going to keep this body down. Ain't no grave going to keep his body down. You know, it, it's, it's, it's this understanding that our hope's not here. You know, this isn't it. Like, it can't be it. I mean, look, look, at, how, look at how fragile life is. It can't be it. And we know, we know from what God has done in sending His Son, Jesus, to die for us, that this is, that this is hugely of importance to us, that we have this understanding of the work that God has done for us. So let's talk about that for just a second. Just at the very basic of that, we, we understand a couple things, that, and, and Scripture is very clear about this in Romans, that we are, we are all sinners. Every one of us is a sinner. If you're married to a sinner right now, raise your hand. Some, some of you are really scared right now. You don't, you, don't know what the, you don't know what the right thing to do is right now, do you? Some, some, some of you are like, uh... He just said we're all sinners. Well, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, honey. I mean, you know, God, God's watching. We're at church, you know. Whatever. So we're all sinners, right? None, 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 of, us, none of us is, you know, none of us is not a sinner. We're all sinners. And, and that means this. That means that we have fallen short. Scripture says that we have fallen short of the glory of God. And what that really means is that, that sin is one of those things that, like, it breaks God's heart. And it separates us from Him. But, but God loves us. We are His creation. He loves us. And He loves us so much that He sent His only Son to come and do something about our sin. Isn't that crazy? He sent His Son to come and do something about our sin. Not His sin. Not His Son's sin. Our sin. He sent His Son to do something about our sin. That while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. You see, here's the deal. Sin has, has a, uh, you know, sin has a uh, uh, blank in here. Uh, what? Uh, close. No. Uh, when you do something bad, and then there's a uh, consequence. There we go. Consequence. Dang, man. I still got one more of these to do, too. Sin has a consequence. Sin has a consequence. And the consequence in Scripture that we understand for sin is death. And so really, our sin is supposed to lead us to death. God sees this, and He knows this. And so He sends His Son to die the death that we deserve on the cross. That if we believe in Him and trust in Him, He will be our Savior, and we will be forgiven of our sin. Now, that's, that's huge for us today. That's huge for us today. And that's, that's the importance of the cross. Friday, we remembered the cross. Good Friday. We, we spent Friday evening here at 7 o'clock having a Good Friday service to remember 
the work that Christ did in giving His life for us, where He was beaten and He was mocked, and then He died on our behalf. He didn't, he didn't deserve that. We deserve that. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not, not after we got our act together, okay? Not after we got our act together. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I can't tell you how many people I have conversations with when we're talking about their faith, and we're talking about them trusting the Lord to be their Savior, and they say things to me like this, like, well, Chris, you know, I'm really kind of wanting to like, get some things straightened out in my life before I follow Jesus. I want, I, want to, I want to get some, you know, I want to kind of, I need to clean up some areas of my life. Listen, <laughs> we hadn't cleaned it up without him before now. We're not going to clean up without him after. You see, the beauty is, is that what Christ has done, he's done. That if we trust in him, he's the one that does the cleaning. He's the one that does the forgiving. He's the one that does the work. You see, it's by God's grace. It's not something we can earn. In fact, if you look at Scripture as a whole, one of the things that uh, I notice and that uh, I love about Scripture is that I see in this whole uh, after, after Jesus comes back from the dead thing is you see all these things that happen. In fact, I did a, I've done a study this week, uh, I, and, and you could do it too. In fact, I encourage you to do it if you've got time to do it. Uh, and make the time to do it. You know, just take the time to do it. It's a great thing to do. It's only it only requires like reading like six chapters of scripture. Uh, but basically, uh, you know, I've just gone through like uh, everything that happened after Jesus came back uh, from the resurrection. Like, what what all, what all do we see Jesus come back? Who does he talk to? What's he say to them? And so I kind of just made notes like, here's who he talked to, and here's who here's what he's talking about. You know, and just kind of went through and kind of went through. And you see some of the same stuff in like the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which of course are the four accounts of Jesus' life that we have in Scripture. And so we see a bunch of the same stuff. Like we see Jesus, you know, we see Mary and Martha, you know, coming, I'm sorry, uh, Mary and Mary Magdalene, both Marys, uh, going, to, uh, going to the tomb to try to see Jesus, to visit his grave and all that kind of stuff. We see that. We see him, uh, you know, appearing to the disciples and all the different ones. Uh, we, see, we see in Matthew where the guards... After everybody leaves, the guards go back and they tell the elders what happened. And the elders basically turn around and blackmail the guards. This is like scripture. You know, some of these scriptures, like some, some of this stuff, I think kind of gets overlooked because it's, you know, we don't think it's as big a part of the story, but it's still part of the story. And, and so, like, the guards are told by the elders, look, you go and we will pay you, we'll buy you off right now to go and lie. And you tell everybody that the disciples came and took Jesus' body. Because otherwise, you guys are going to get in trouble, and that gets you guys off the hook. So it's kind of this like, you know, you know because you guys are bad guards, you know, and you, just, you let Jesus get away, this will keep you off the hook with the, with the actual authorities when the time comes and they hear that Jesus' body is gone. We see the Great Commission in Matthew and Mark which we have as like this sending, this like marching orders of what God has called us to do and, and who he's called us to be to go into the world. So we have, we have that going on. And then we, then we have things like uh, when the ladies in Luke, we have when the ladies, um, uh, the two Marys, when they go to the tomb and they see the angel, you know, different, we get different things from different, you know, gospels, different pieces of the puzzle. And, and for that one in particular, we see that uh, the ladies are told by the angel, oh, why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you seek the living among the dead? 
I think that that's such a great, great statement for us today. Because I think that lots of people are seeking the living among the dead. I think lots of folks are looking for peace in something other than Jesus. They're looking for it in their work. They're looking for it in a relationship. They're looking for it in something that looks like Christianity. In fact, maybe they've slapped, you know, oh, this is a Jesus thing on it or whatever. But at the end of the day, man, we're we're not called to follow people. We're not called to follow things. We're called to follow Jesus. And as a matter of fact, you go into John, and we see things like doubting Thomas. Little did he know that he was going to get to be known as an adjective. Uh, in time, but we see literally that, that whole situation where the disciples had seen Jesus and Jesus, you know, appears to them, but Thomas wasn't there. And then they tell Thomas and Thomas is like, y'all are a bunch of liars. I don't believe you. I'll believe when I can put my hands in his, in his scars and all this kind of stuff. And then Jesus shows up eight days later. And sure enough, Jesus is like, here, let me see your hands. And he puts his hands in, his, in the scars, in his side, the whole bit. He's not down anymore. And we see the disciples that are fishing we love, all the, we love all the fishing stories, right? Disciples that are fishing, they're not catching anything. Jesus is on shore. They don't know it's Jesus. They're just out fishing. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing, you know? Jesus calls to him, hey, you guys, you know, he says it's something like this. Hey, you kids catching anything? And, uh, and, and they're like, no. And Jesus is like, throw out the other side. So they throw the nets over the other side of the boat. And sure enough, here come the fish. And like as soon as it happens, it like starts to click with them. But especially with Peter. Here's Peter, the guy who tried to walk on water but then didn't believe enough and he started to sink. Remember that happening when they were in the boat together once before? And here's Peter out there in the boat. And when this happens and he realizes it's Jesus on the shore, Peter's not walking on water. He jumps in the water to try to get to Jesus as fast as he possibly can. He's like, forget the fish. (laughs) That's... That's Jesus right there. I'm going to Jesus. I'm going after Jesus, you know. Then you have the one-on-one between Jesus and Peter, where Jesus keeps asking Peter this question, do you love me? And Peter will say, yeah, yeah, Jesus, I love you. And he'll say, feed my sheep. And then Jesus again asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? And he says, yeah, Jesus, I, I love you. He's like, then feed my lambs. Jesus, uh, Peter, d- do, you, do you love me? Yeah, Jesus. I, I mean, bro, I know you just came back from the dead and stuff. Like, it's cool that you're here and I love it. But like, I just answered that question twice. Yes, Jesus, I love you. And Jesus is like, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Then he tells Peter how he's going to die. And then he says two words. Which, by the way, after after somebody's just told you how you're going to die, like I I think I think my attention is there. I'm like, okay. All right. And he Jesus just looks at him and says this: follow me. Follow me. He goes on. Conversation continues. Next little bit, we see John kind of trailing behind them a little bit, which was kind of the beloved disciple, so to speak. And Peter says to Jesus, what about that guy? What's going to happen to him? And so he's like, you know, I want to know, you just told me how I'm going to die. Tell me how he's going to die. He's like, 
I'm just going to, while we're at it, I'm just going to start asking random questions. What about that guy? What about that guy? What about John? Peter's like, what about him? And Jesus is like, basically, hey, um, what's it matter? Does it matter? You don't need to know. What's it matter if I want him to be here till the time that I come back? And then he looks at Peter and he just says, you follow me. Follow me. In other words, he's looking at Peter and he's saying, quit worrying about everybody else and what they're doing. Quit worrying about what's going on with them and you follow me. You follow me. We see Jesus going on, continuing to share and teach through the book of Acts. He promises that the Holy Spirit is going to come and give them power to do what they need to do. And then he goes. Jesus gets ready to go back and be with the Father. And he sends the disciples out. And he tells them, you won't know what timing that the Father or I have for anything that's going to happen. You won't know when I'm coming back. You won't know any stuff. And so here, just go in the power of the Holy Spirit as my witnesses. He's like, I'm sending you as my boys. I'm sending you to go and be me into the world. And you're going to go with the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is coming to you now. And you go and you will be able to do all the things that I have called you to do. And you will go and share the gospel, especially into Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, Jesus says. Why is all that important? Why take the, why take the time to read through everything that Jesus talked about and did after he came back to life? Because it's Jesus. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, if he's coming back and he's coming back to teach something, we should really listen to it. You know why? Because Jesus could have just come back and been like, boom, defeated death. Here's a laser light show for you. Here's some lightning. Boom, you know? I mean, Jesus could have been like, here you go. Have a show. I'm out. And then he could have ridden a lightning bolt up to, back up to the heavens to be with the Father. I mean, you know? I mean, he could have done that. But he didn't. Because he wanted us to see some things that were hugely important to him. Jesus comes back and he spends all this time, he spends all this time helping us to see that he is caring for his friends, he is caring for his followers, he is caring and caring about the people who don't even know him, that he is preparing all of his friends and followers to say, hey, you guys are going to go out and you're going to help them to know. You're going to be my witnesses. And then says, I'm going to leave you with the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul's take, Paul's take out of 1 Corinthians on the resurrection is this. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. It says, For I delivered to you as first, as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. In accordance with the Scriptures, 
that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Paul's wanting something to be clear. He's wanting people to understand Jesus didn't just come back and hang out with like a small group of people. He was seen historically by literally hundreds of people after he rose from the dead. Most of whom, it says, are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he's talking about himself here, he appeared also to me. This is Paul talking. You remember, you remember Paul's background, right? Paul killed Christians. Paul had been a Christian killer. He was a Roman soldier working for the government out to hunt Christians down and literally take them down. That was his job. He was there on the scene for stuff like Stephen being killed. And here he is. As he says, verse 8, Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me, for I am the least of the apostles, he says. Unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. You see, Paul understood something so important. And that's that it didn't matter how far he went in life against God because he ultimately received the grace of God. And that happened through Jesus. Folks, if you think that you're so far away from God that you would never be able to be saved, you've bought a lie from the pit of hell. It's not true. If Paul himself, the Christian killer, former Roman soldier who hunted people down, who taught about Jesus, if he could receive the grace of God, I promise you, you can too. How do we know? How do we know? How, do, how can we... How can we know? I'm glad you asked. Mark 16 says this, verse 14. It says, after this is the other Great Commission, by the way, we're used to the Matthew 28 Great Commission. This is the other one. Also, after Jesus has come back from the dead, he teaches this. He says, after he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. So, you know, Jesus is like, look guys, why, why aren't you believing? Like, you know, and they're like, well, I mean, we just, you know, you weren't here and somebody comes and tells us that you're here and we're not believing them. He's like, I've, I've been telling you that this is going to happen. Of course, they weren't, they weren't putting all the pieces together. Verse 15, and he said to them, here it goes, you ready? Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That pretty much takes care of, like, everybody, right? Like, go tell everybody, right? The whole creation. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. 
Verse 16, here's the magic word. You ready for it? Who can get to Jesus? Who can be saved? Here it is. Whoever believes. Whoever believes. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And whoever does not believe will be condemned. So which whoever are you? Which whoever are you? NASCAR made a change in how they run races starting in February of this year. Any any NASCAR fans in here? Just out of curiosity, don't be afraid, please. What's going on with NASCAR, man? Like, I think everybody, yeah, there we go. So everybody's kind of down. I'll be honest, I'm more of an NHRA drag racing kind of guy myself, but I can appreciate the NASCAR thing. I've had friends who've worked on teams and stuff, and that's that's cool to get to be around some of that stuff. But, uh, you know, at NASCAR, um, you know, one of the things about NASCAR that you've got to understand, I won't get into all the history of, like, Richard Petty beating the pants off everybody and how he did that, but basically they got to a point where they were like, we've got to figure out a way for everybody to have as similar and fair of a car that no one is, no one's getting a BT. I mean, like the aerodynamics of the cars is, is such a huge deal when it comes to racing. Talking about NASCAR, talking about drag racing, whatever it is. And so, literally, they have templates. And they, this is what they had to get to doing. You know, it's called stock car racing. The idea was there would be a car that you could buy at your local dealer that they were in turn racing at the track. And of course, you know, different manufacturers started figuring out, well, we just need to make those cars more aerodynamic, and then you know, all of our cars win at the races or whatever it is, you know. And so they got to a point where they're like, we got to to quit just letting everybody just bring whatever car they want to bring to the track to the point that, like, they've gotten to the point where it's literally they have this template, this huge template, longer than a car, that they can set on top of a car. And when they build their cars, of course, they're building them out of a, you know, a frame and a sheet metal and all that stuff. And when they build their cars, they have to, they have to, go to the same contours, I mean, down to, you know, the little bittiest of thing, have to follow the same contours as this template. So that supposedly everybody has the same car on the track. Of course, you talk to anybody that races, they'll tell you, oh yeah, no, we do this and we do that and we shave weight here and we, you know, do this to our motors and we're not, you know, technically not supposed to have that or, you know, whatever it is. You know, everybody's looking for an edge. It's racing, you know. But at the end of the day, template, all the, and there's other things too, not just, not just templates. You know, but basically, there's all these guidelines that a car has to meet to be legal for them to race in a race. So what they did in February is they just changed this thing where basically they have to, uh, the cars have to meet these requirements after the race. I mean, as soon as the race is over with, NASCAR takes the car and within the next couple of hours, go over the car and make sure that it meets all the standards, it fits the template, you know, all, all the things. And so they do this. When the past, <coughs> the way they did this is after you won a race, they would take the car, NASCAR would take the car, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't even look at it for a few days. And in fact, when they did look at it, the person that won the race in that car, even if they had cheated, was still called the winner of the race. 
And in turn, basically, they would get docked points, and, you know, that equals money and all this other kind of stuff, you know. And so, you know, they would, they would get, you know, slap on the wrist and all that kind of stuff, but they were still the winner, right? When NASCAR finally wised up, we're like, you know, let's, let's don't do that. Let's do this. Well, as soon as the race is over with, we'll check the cars, and if the car doesn't meet specifications, they will be disqualified from the race. We will give them the last spot and whatever points come with the last spot and everything else, and then everybody else moves up one spot, which is kind of a crazy incentive and changes, changes the game for a lot of these people. It's probably not a bad thing. I think that so many people think that they have done something that disqualifies them from the salvation that only comes from God through Jesus. Done something so bad in life or walked away from the church or pointed their finger at God and cussed Him one day or whatever it is, I don't know. But somewhere along the line, so many people have gotten in their head that they have disqualified themselves somehow, some way along the way. And folks, I'm here to tell you today that it's still true today as it was true when Jesus said it, whoever believes, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Folks, God loves you. He sent His Son to die for you. He's given His life for you. Jesus came back and spent this time of ministry to make sure that we understood just a few things. That's that we're called to love and be loved. We're called to know Him. We're called to go out that others might know Jesus because they know us, that the gospel would go to literally the ends of the earth and that we go in the power of of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't do this alone. We do this with Him. He goes before us and does great work. It's not on us to have all the answers to every question and everything. All we want to do and all we need to be doing is those two words that Jesus kept saying to Peter over and over. What did He say? Follow me. Follow me. And Jesus will lead us to a place of knowing the Lord. He's the one that laid it down. He's the one that guides us. He's the one that has the plan. In fact, He's the one that has the way. And not only does He have the way, He is the way. And whoever believes in Him will find life. Listen, if that's you today, you've never found life in Jesus, you've never found the life that came from His death, please, please seek the Lord today. Talk to somebody. I'd be glad to pray with you here toward the, at the end of the service, whatever it is. Seek the Lord. Let Jesus help lead you in your heart. Whoever believes will be saved. Let's pray together. God, you are amazingly good at being clear with your word to us. God, help us to follow it. 
Help us to be the people you've called us to be. Lead us, Lord. In the days to come, in the things that you call us to, may we be faithful. God, for anybody that is, that is hearing these words right now that has never trusted in you, that has never believed, God, I pray that they would be a whoever that will believe in you and trust in you to be enough. God, you have done for us what we don't deserve. By your grace, we are saved. God, thank you for the work that you have done through your son, Jesus. We ask all of this in his name.